The Old Testament reading is taken from Exodus 16, verses 2 to 15. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Sorry, I've got to start again. I got that all. I got the wrong episode. <laughs> the Old Testament reading is taken from Exodus 16, 2 to 15. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. The sixth day, when they prepare what to bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Thanks be to God. Amen. The second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them one denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went again at about the sixth and ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why 
have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expect to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last only worked one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money, or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The Office of National Statistics uh, just the other day produced its labour market overview for, for the past few months. And here are some of the, uh, the bullet points from, from its labour market overview. Early indicators for August 2020 suggest that the number of employees in the UK on payrolls was down around 695,000 compared with March 2020. Figures for May to July 2020 show an increase in the unemployment rate. Over the quarter, there's been a large decrease in the number of young people in employment, while unemployment for young people has significantly increased. The number of people who are estimated to be temporarily away from work, including furloughed workers, has fallen, but it was still more than 5 million in July 2020, with over 2.5 million of these being away for three months or more. There are also around 250,000 people away from work because of the pandemic and receiving no pay in July 2020. Fears are growing now at the potential impact of the ending of the furlough scheme and how many more companies may end up going to the wall. And people, especially young people, who will lose their jobs or may struggle to ever find one. I talked with uh, a young woman on the high streets the other day, bright, smart, highly employable, and yet has submitted over 80 applications and got nothing back. We've had to change our plans and are not hiring at the moment, was the standard reply. How many people are feeling left out on the scrap heap, desperate for someone to hire them, 
and yet waiting, waiting, waiting. The sense of desperation ever-growing. How like those people left in the marketplace, waiting for work, not expecting anything to actually happen. I suspect that whatever your political persuasion, you'll find something upsetting and offensive really in our gospel reading for today. Those who are unionists at heart might struggle with the idea of having one's members undercut by cheap labour late on in the day. For others, the idea of the feckless, the undeserving poor getting the same reward as honest, hard-working people might stick a bit in the throat. I think whatever way we look at this, it's quite clear the reading today is not the most Thatcherite of texts. We want our hard work to be rewarded. We live in a world of them and us, rich and poor, haves and have-nots, winners and losers. Why should we, who have worked so long, get the same as those who have been on the sidelines, the dawdling and the bone idle? And so we offer that chant that's so familiar throughout our world. It's not fair. The Protestant work ethic, it takes a pounding in our reading for today, as do the very foundations of our modern world where greed is good and it's okay for people to be left behind, those who cannot keep up with modern day capitalism. In today's passage, the very unfairness of God's saving grace is highlighted. It's an equal reward available for everyone. Not that some will get more of it and others will never ever have the chance. The concept of fairness in human terms is quite removed from the word that we might tie with it when God speaks. A just God is not one who is concerned with fairness in our worldly sense, but deals with us with more generosity than we could ever even consider. This parable shows us two versions of ourselves. The hard-working employee who grumbles a bit, who feels hard done by, not because of their own treatment, but their perception that someone else has got it even better or even easier. And that second version of ourselves in this story is the employee who is essentially given something for nothing, or at least something that they don't deserve. This is one of Jesus' clear illustrations about God's grace, a life-changing grace at odds with how our world works. And in verse 16 we hear the phrase, the first will be last and the last will be first. Surely 
This would have angered those workers who had laboured all day long. And it might anger us too if we consider ourselves worthy of being first in the line. The trouble is, we need to remember that occasionally we're not always as worthy as we like to think we are. And no matter how hard we try, each of us, we're still going to be in need of God's grace. The point of this parable is not that God is less than fair with those who have been working all day, but that God is much more than fair, as far as the world is concerned at any rate, with those who were left in the market without work. From what we know of Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised that his riches are not pie in the sky when we die. But the real stuff, we need to live now. This parable reminds me of the story of the two criminals crucified alongside Christ. And particularly of the one who has been a wrong in his whole life. The one who's contributed nothing the one who's possibly had a violent past. He has never ever made the world a better place by his existence. And yet on his cross, next to Christ on his cross, it is contrition and faith that mean that he will ensure for himself the same reward as a St Francis of Assisi or an Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Jesus starts our parable for today with that phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. And yet, when we look at this parable, strange though it is, it's also familiar. Because actually, it tells us about the world as we know it. There are some people who are working hard. There are some who are getting left behind. There's a whole load of people grumbling about their wage packets, moaning about being overworked and underpaid. Well, so far, so familiar. And yet, all of this, it's very different, isn't it? Because in the kingdom of heaven, the forgotten, those that get left behind, the last kid in the playground to be picked for the team, well, they're no longer forgotten, no more abandoned to their fate. No more will they have a life of penury and desperation, whilst the fortunate ones are safe with a secure job. Rather, they too find a way to not be left behind. God's love for them is much more than generous. It is true grace in action. One of the benefits of this lockdown is that as a church, we have realised that we are more than our buildings. We are a community, even if at times a community with difficulties, with fears and worries. 
So here, I want to offer us a challenge. How often has the church been a place where we have viewed ourselves that if you put in a hard day's work, if you have been the ones who have been part of the church for a long time, that you have more rights than those who are brand new to faith. How often have we had it that it's the experienced ones who have more power, more chance to shape how the church actually is? But the problem with that is that we then forget what it is like to be people new to faith and we then find them harder to reach. So my challenge is for, for all of us, myself very much included, what does the concept of grace say to you when you think you deserve more than others? What does the concept of grace say to you when you think you deserve more than others? In God's kingdom, it doesn't matter if you're eight months old or 88 years old. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, saintly or sinner, stunningly beautiful or pig ugly. God's generous love is there for you and more so maybe for those who are left behind in this real world of ours today. God's love is there for all. And as a church, we're going to need to think seriously about the needs and the changing needs that are out there in our world. And we're going to need to reevaluate who we are and how we respond to those new needs. We don't know how the next few months will pan, pan out. I think we're all feeling a sense of bewilderment and confusion over the uh, events of the past few weeks. But we can speak out now for those who are being forgotten and those who will be forgotten in the future, those left in the marketplace and not in the place of work. We can speak out for those who feel that their lives are on the scrap heap. When all of this is over, the priority of the people of God will not be to return to normal, to the old ways, but instead will need to go into the marketplace and find those left behind those struggling to find their identity and will need to try and work out ways to include them, to bring them into the community of God, to help them find purpose and meaning in their lives in a new, unsettling, disturbing, baffling world. Over the coming months, as individuals, as individual churches and as a circuit, we will be thinking and praying about how we can respond to those new needs and how 
we can show God's all-embracing love and there will be formal conversations for us as church about how we will go about that. And I urge you to join in those conversations. But keep your minds and your hearts to those changing needs in our society around us and how you and how we can respond. How all people of goodwill can come together to find ways of healing and hope. Binding the brokenhearted and setting the downtrodden free. Heaven shall not wait for the poor to lose their patience, the scorned to smile, the despised to find a friend. Jesus is Lord, he has championed the unwanted, in him injustice confronts its timely end. Heaven shall not wait for the rich to share their fortunes, the proud to fall, the elite to tend the least. Jesus is Lord, he has shown the master's privilege to kneel and wash servants' feet before they feast. Heaven shall not wait for the dawn of great ideas, thoughts of compassion divorced from cries of pain. Jesus is Lord, he has married word and action. His cross and company make his purpose plain. Heaven shall not wait for our legalised obedience, defined by statute, to strict conventions bound. Jesus is Lord. He has hallmarked true allegiance. Goodness appears where his grace is sought and found. Heaven shall not wait for triumphant alleluias. When earth has passed and we reach another shore, Jesus is Lord in our present imperfection. His power and love are for now and then forevermore. So my prayer for us this week is we think about those left behind in the marketplace and ready ourselves to go meet, serve and include them in our lives and in our church. May God help us to do that this day and forevermore.